Welcome to the Smarty Podcast Series from Charlotte Smarty Pants, where we focus on all things parenting. We talk about everything from education, health, travel, beauty, fashion, and more. Join in on the discussion at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast Series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio, and the best parties in the QC the pop star music video parties, and professional voice lessons in a studio. Also amazing content creation. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com. Hi, everyone. This is Jen Plim and Cheryl Perry from Charlotte Smarty Pants. Thanks for joining us today. We're sitting down with Jonathan Hederly, a counselor at Southeast Psych here in Charlotte. You might remember Jonathan as part of our town hall on social media parenting 3.0 at Charlotte Christian this past April. And we loved his message about parenting the I generation, so we invited him to come podcast with us. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Um, so we're going to talk about um, basic social media 101. And the first question, what do you think? I'm sure you get asked this all the time. What is the right age for Instagram? What is the right age for social media? Is there such a thing? Well, you know, you want to make connections in preschool, so I think it's really important to start a Snapchat account as a preschooler so that you can, <laughs> you know, sw- swim totally lessons, everything along those together. lines. So that they're ready. When exactly. <laughs> well, there really isn't much of a rule of thumb, and that's one of the challenges that a lot of parents have is that parenting is so demanding that we want a very fixed rubric so that then we just have right. to follow through, where the reality is is that each kid will demonstrate unique strengths and weaknesses that really need to help inform a good rule of thumb. Now, I tend to be one of the folks that um, promotes earlier rather than later. But even when I'm thinking earlier, I think middle school or right around that that age frame is is a good starting point. And one of the things that we talked about at your social media parenting uh, 3.0 was – some movements like wait till eighth, they're really focusing on brain development and impulse control, and they're wanting as much of the brain to get baked, not in a drug use way, but they really want it to develop before they introduce a device or a tool that can be used for a lot of good, but a lot of uh, bad ways. But the challenge right. is the later that you wait, you may have a less agreeable mm-hmm. collaborator in your kids because developmentally, it's normal for them to start pulling away from parents and to not see your guidance and direction as positive. So the drawback of waiting is by the time you introduce it, they still need to learn these tools. Like just maturing doesn't give you automatic impulse control, common sense, critical thinking. So kids need to be informed and guided in how to use technology. And I'm of the mindset, the earlier that you introduce it with obvious restrictions and parameters, but you're going to have a more agreeable kid to listen and, and be open to your guidance direction because they recognize at that point it's it's a privilege. Right. It is a privilege. And I, that, that really resonated with me because, you know, I my oldest is in 11th grade and there we were kind of the guinea pigs and the wait till 8th was a really good idea, but way, you know, we missed the boat. But I would totally agree that they are more likely to engage with you and ask for your advice earlier, like sixth grade, and and, and kind of going along with the um, social media platform recommendations or kind of like their insurance of, you know, you have to be 13. I think there's a reason for that. And, um, and, and, and even earlier in some of their platforms that they're using, uh, it starts earlier, you know, Fortnite's earlier, um, lots of other apps that people don't realize are social media. 
um, it starts early. And kids are going to come to us earlier. But even like the one, you know, my eighth grader is less likely to let me have my thumbprint access, even though we still do. But I'm like, oh, I can see her like, oh, I don't really want you to have that. Mm -hmm. But if you started that in 11th grade, they'd be like, what are you talking about? What are some good social media platforms to test the waters with? Like, what are the early social media platforms? Yeah, the safer ones, the easier ones to manage. Obviously not Snapchat. So give... Sure. Some listeners, some ideas of what they could start with. Well, really preparing young people for social media and technology, it begins long before they even get a smartphone or have social media accounts. It's just as much the television or a computer or even tablet with apps and games that may even be mom or dad's or an older sibling's because you're teaching them already that technology and the resources, there are appropriate times to use it, there are appropriate ways to use it, and mm-hmm. then there are limits and there are times when it's not appropriate or other things take priority. I remember when our kids were young and we had a minivan, it had a DVD player in it, and somehow we had convinced them that the DVD player only worked when we were on an interstate and that when we (laughs) were going on a long trip. And they bought into it for the longest time (laughs) to where even later on when they recognized that, oh, mom and dad were lying to us, they had developed all of these other outlets and ways to entertain or distract themselves during trips and And just even driving around. Exactly. Mm So one of the things you want to teach with technology is that technology isn't necessarily good or bad, and a lot of parents tend to veer in the bad or the fearful, it's you want to promote the positive benefits of other things outside Mm -hmm. of just social media, creativity, music, imagination, innovation. But when you Mm -hmm. think about once you step specifically into uh, social media, you want to start with platforms that as a parent, either you're well-versed in Mm -hmm. or two, that you can learn because early on we take on more of a monitoring role. So, and we know that there's a a lot of research that suggests something like Snapchat or or Instagram, they tend to have some of the more troubling or concerning mental health implications because it tends to be very image oriented. Mm -hmm. And then with filters and other Mm -hmm. things, you can really craft. Uh, And surprisingly enough, YouTube generally rates as one of the most positive social media platforms for mental health because it's more of a a long and informative Mm -hmm. and building a relationship relationship. even with somebody Mm -hmm. that is more well-known or established versus distorted images about how your friends' lives are in contrast to your own. That's so true. Yeah, Yeah. that makes sense. And YouTube sounds a lot scarier, though, mm-hmm. because because YouTube is like this endless abyss of right. who knows what they can get into. It, it, it really is. And no matter what, teenagers and technology, one of their roles is to make it, one of their roles is to make parenting harder. And it mm-hmm. doesn't make them bad or evil. It, you know, our kids, one of their roles in terms of identity formation and separation is that they they're looking for ways to like, what are mom and dad going to know? What are they going to find out? And, and they test it along those ways. It doesn't mm-hmm. make them bad kids. It just makes them kids moving into that sort of rebellious, autonomous stage. So right. I don't – when a kid is looking for ways to hide their social media activity or hide their internet activity, I mean, it's, it's concerning and it's unacceptable, but it doesn't automatically – raise this red flag that, oh my, oh my goodness, my kid is becoming mm-hmm. this Bad. social media act- yeah. addict or mm-hmm. this tech yeah. addict. That's what kids are supposed to do. Right. You I know. found just like, and I've talked to a few friends about this, just in maybe the last like year, I feel like with my kids, 
their whole world, their time off revolves around their screen. As much as I fight it, I feel like they're always like itching to get back to the screen. Whereas I'll tell them like, go walk the dog, go on a bike ride, go to the pool. And they will do those things. But it's almost like it's dessert all the time and broccoli just a little bit. It's like they're finishing that task to get back to their screen. Mm -hmm. How can parents or how can I reverse that, especially this summer, so that we're really promoting the, the technology being dessert? And the other, the creativity, the imagination, the physical activity being the normal everyday eating. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I get that. And that's a a great challenge and opportunity. I think from the beginning standpoint, the challenge is for young people, technology is not the dessert. Mm-hmm. It is the it's main their course. World. Right. It's their entire world. And it really is the 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 resource that keeps them interpersonally connected with their peers. Because mm-hmm. especially in middle school is when you start to have young people shift their identity away from their parents mm-hmm. to their peer group. So they're no longer like I have two daughters. They're no longer my I'm a headerly. My dad does this or that. It's I'm so-and-so and here's my friends and here's what mm-hmm. we're into and interested in. And so to uh, – to have t- technology or social media be viewed as sort of this reward, a lot of times it doesn't resonate with them because they'll s- it projects this message that even my friends are mm-hmm. are not as important as all these other right. responsibilities right. or habits. Sense. And we as adults and parents are able to navigate the nuance between that. Mm-hmm. But a sixth grader or a seventh grader, that's that's a big a Concept. big order for them to be able to grasp that, oh, yeah, technology is designed to complement my life and enhance my life, not control it. But my friends really are the most important thing, even though I know my parents and my family are the most important thing. But, but again, like YouTubers aren't my friends. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like you have to also separate the fact that this YouTube person that you're watching all the time, you're not actually connecting with your friends. You're just looking at You're not. And yet we know that's the one of the things about the rise of the YouTube culture is that mm-hmm. their audience feels like they mm-hmm. have a personal they relationship. Do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like understand these people Mm -hmm. where for me it it feels like reality tv it's like why would i use my limited time to follow this person as they talk about putting on makeup or popping a pimple like that just doesn't sound (laughs) interesting well it kind of does sound a little interesting (laughs) well that kind of segues into um you know kind of tapping into what cheryl was just talking about but do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing to use social media or technology or phones as as a punishment? Like taking because it away. Because it's like for us as parents, it's like that is the – before they have a car, before they're mm-hmm. driving privileges, that's our one biggie mm-hmm. that we know sends a message. That but means everything we've to read and been told from psychology experts, it's no, don't take away their world because it's taking away their world. So what is – what, when is it good to do that? Sure. That is a great question. And, I, and I, would, I would theorize that the mental health community, they're not all in the same boat because some people are really that wait as long as you can and that if they can't demonstrate good choices, you restrict and pull away. And I, it's really weird. I never thought I would have a career in mental health where the guiding principle is common sense. Like right. I get paid – to communicate common sense to a lot of parents and to a lot of young people. Technology, I tend to be a, a techno-optimist. I think there's a lot more upside and strengths and it, and it enriches people's lives, but there are both people um, and there are times when technology really is 
not good for them or they have not demonstrated enough other types of skills to be able to navigate it mm -hmm. without consistently running into problems or making poor choices. Now, the, the biggest rule of thumb for me is that you want early on consequences and restrictions to be teachable moments. So my biggest uh, criticism of parents using technology as their primary or only way to discipline or to punish, which I don't really use the word punish to begin with, um, is that they learn nothing from it. You take something away. So then it's basically put in a timeout. They mm -hmm. don't, if they're having problems using technology or social media, we're not giving them an opportunity how to learn good tools, good choices, and how to navigate that world. We're basically putting them time out, making them suffer without it, and then we give it back to them and we just wait to and the next time them to do the same. that they yeah. do something poorly. But the other is that if... If they hit their brother, if they're having conflict with a sibling or they show disrespect to a parent and we just immediately pull away technology, social media, we're making this device, this all-powerful right. weapon yeah. and this, this tug know, of war. Yeah. And yeah. we're not normalizing how technology – technology is going to be a part of the rest of their life. Right. And if we use that, then all of a sudden we're just making this pressure in this bubble to where so often I hear young people and their greatest fear in their life is that – if I if I make a mistake, my parents are going to take away my phone. Right. And to think that that really increases the amount of anxiety and sleeplessness in a young person because that's the message that's been they've been bombarded mm -hmm. with their whole life. What if it's really bad stuff like nudes or really really bad stuff? Sure. Um, I feel like I I have thankfully haven't had to deal with this personally, but. I know it's all around us, and it happens to good kids and every family, any family. It could happen to anybody. But what – don't you want to take the, all that away if that happens? Or do you – I don't know. Like, you just use it as a teachable moment, or what do you – Well, you again, do? you look at your kid because you I guys probably know – didn't make good judgments yeah, well, on it. You know your kids, and you may know which ones show more like – compulsive or addictive right. mm -hmm. type of personality traits, they may need more limits and structure right. and reinforcement. Right. In my family, my youngest, she's the most responsible person in the whole house. Like, <laughs> right. I right. mean, we, we basically, when we go away, because we're about to go away for a few days out of the state, like we're going to have an aunt come come spend them just so legally we're not like right. arrested. <laughs> You're not arrested. But I trust, I trust my youngest that, you know, Take care of the dogs. Take care of themselves. Yeah, take care of their older sisters. Be there, yeah. But you know, so kids, some that you look and they don't have the skills or personality. They may be more defiant. They show less openness to you right. getting to parent them, and that's usually. And, and I see a lot of kids that have some technology addiction or other addictive type of problems. And you know, some of them, it's like, oh, that's normal developmentally. We would expect that. So they found this. Maybe they weren't looking for it or maybe they did and they're not going to tell on themselves. doesn't make them bad kids. But right. when they get caught, how do you use that as a teachable moment? How do we lay out like if this happens again, this is what will happen? And then other kids, it's like, okay, we're going to need some time away um, because either whether it's with technology or the other areas, it's like it's, it's kind of like a drug for you. It's kind of like a piece of cake. You know, right. you can't stop yourself and it doesn't make you a bad kid, but there's right. just certain things about your temperament, mm -hmm. personality, your impulse control, you know. So that's the challenging part as parents is, you know, I have my kids all the time pointing at the each, each other like you don't do this for them. You don't do that for them. And the reality is, is they're right because partly we parent to their strengths and their right. weaknesses and right. it doesn't make it fair, but 
our role as a parent is to not make their upbringing fair. It is to prepare them for (laughs) that next stage of either teenage years or young adult years or fully independent adults. And those, those routes go very differently. Right. All right. Well, that sounds great. You can find um, all of this and more at Sean Charlotte Smarty Pants, charlottesmartypants.com. All of our social media handles are at Charlotte Smarty on Twitter, at Charlotte Smarty Pants on Instagram and Facebook. And Shrink Tank is at Shrink Tank, correct? That is correct. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to our Smarty Podcast. You can always join in on the conversation at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com.